Well, we have been at this for three months now, uh, this joy ride, and I don't know about you guys, I really have enjoyed this ride through the book of Philippians, and during first hour when I sat out here and I listened to all those scripture verses read over and over, I mean really, I got tearful because you now understand maybe why Philippians is my favorite book in the Bible because of all those verses that just come to life for us. He who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. And I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches. And over and over these verses are just speaking to our hearts. And so we have this week and we have next week and these will be our last two weeks in this series. And and I pray it's been just a great journey for you guys as well, and it's been encouraging to you. And today we're, we are going to go into that verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, how many of you by a show of hands would say, I serve a powerful God? Would you raise your hand? Our God is powerful. And how many of you would say that that, that God who's so powerful wants to give you strength for your day-to-day life as well? Do you believe that? I mean, I believe that. And, and, and to be honest with you, I've found myself praying a lot lately for strength. I found myself praying for strength for those I love. Last year, we heard a prayer, and I spoke a prayer like this countless times at our home. Father in heaven, give my dad strength in his chemo treatments. And then finally, God, give my dad strength in his last days. Father, give my mom the strength she needs to be the care giver for my dad. Lord, give her strength every day as she faces life without him. And then God, please give Sherry the strength she needs to handle those chemo treatments. Or Lord, strengthen this couple at our church that was separated for a while and they've come back together. And God, would you heal their marriage? Or God, I pray for Megan who deals with her brother's passing. And God, give her strength as she faces the days ahead. Or God, for Gerard and Delina, as Gerard heals from open heart surgery, God, give them strength as a family. Or for our family, Father, give me strength to help my family in a time of transition and moving and at times being overwhelmed. God, would you just give us strength? And to be honest with you, I have prayed for God's strength for so many of you and for us in our lives as well. I find myself praying a lot for strength these days. Philippians chapter 3 talks about God's power and it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ and his power. But with coming with his power comes understanding of fellowshipping with his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Friends, we, we see God's power raise the dead and heal the sick. God's power sets the captives free and binds up the brokenhearted. It creates something out of nothing. God's power causes the sun to rise and the stars to be in place. God's power restores marriages and releases addicts, redeems prostitutes and rearranges priorities. God's power rescues the perishing, reassures the doubting, reconciles prodigals, reclaims the discarded, reforms criminals. God's power refreshes the weary, relieves guilt, removes sin, restores hope, renders Satan powerless, and it can be released in every one of your lives. God's power. Now that's power that God wants you to have unleashed in your life. Listen to this prayer. 
from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of His power for us who believe in Him. That same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. His power. Now in the Greek language there are four words for power. And all four of them are found in Ephesians chapter 1. There's dunamis power, which is like dynamite power. It is explosive power. There's, then there's energia, which is where we get the English word energy from. It's power in action. Power in action. Then there's iscus. I have no idea what English word we get from that. But iscus is physical power. Like there is actual physical power and strength. And then there's the word kretus, which is like powerful dominion where there's a king over uh, a territory or a people. And there's someone who kind of has power over people, and that is kretus power. Listen to, Paul, listen to Paul's prayer again. All four of those words. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power. That's Duna's power, dynamite power, explosive power for those of us who believe in him. That same mighty, that word mighty, the, is, is the iscus, physical por- force power. That same mighty power, power, that's Cretus power. That, that's kind of this uh, ability then to have powerful dominion, Christ's dominion over our lives, that raised. The word raised is the word energy or energia, power in action, Christ Jesus from the dead. All four words are found in that Ephesians text. Explosive power, energy power, physical power. Just say the word power. God makes all that power available to you and to me. More power than we could ever imagine. According to His power that is at work within us. Now that's so different than what we might expect when we read this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That verse is the most, I think, misquoted and misapplied verse in all the Scripture. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Have you ever noticed the context of that little verse? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We see that on jerseys. We see it put in the black of the eyes of football players. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I remember when I saw it years ago when Evander Holyfield was coming up against Mike Tyson and on the back of his robe, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even the same kind of strength that's going to allow me to beat Mike Tyson. That's the kind of power that Evander Holyfield was talking about. And it worked well for him during that one, but during the next fight, he wore it again against Lennox Lewis and he lost. So I don't know what happened to that same power that he had a, a few months before. This is a misapplied verse. You're a student. I got a big test coming up. I didn't study for it, but I'm going to claim the verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and I'm acing that test no matter what, even if I didn't study. This is our catch-all verse. I can do whatever I want, and God's going to give me the power to do it. But you have to actually read it in its context. Paul is writing. He's in jail. He's at the end of his life. He's faced hardship after hardship, and in the middle of that, he writes these words. I rejoice greatly in the Lord the, la- the, the last uh, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, in the middle of the best of times or the worst of times, in the middle of the great victories or the great challenges. No, it's not that God is just going to take your situation and say, I'm now going to make you rich. I'm now going to make you wealthy. I'm now going to make you prosperous. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No, he's saying, listen, in the middle of whatever happens, good or bad, God is going to give you strength to endure it. That's the context here. It doesn't matter how poor you are or how rich you are. I've heard this text misapplied. I've heard people preach on this text and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So those of you who want to be wealthy, God's going to make you strong. He's going to make you wealthy no matter what, no matter if you don't have a penny to your name. But Paul is saying the exact opposite. He's saying, listen, if you're, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're healthy, if you're weak, in all those moments, that's when Christ's strength is available. In fact, I, I've, I have uh, seen plenty of people who have a lot of resources, but they're miserable. They're not content. And I've seen people who have not a penny to their name. Their circumstances are so hard, but they are so content and they are so joyful. And they have learned the secret that no matter what, they can still have Christ's strength. In the good and the bad, I can handle all situations through Christ's strength. That's what this verse means. And friends, I want so much for you to be able to have that power in your life, that strength that we've been praying for, that power in your life that we've been praying for, that strength that says, I can face whatever. And here's what I've found about this, biblically speaking and experientially speaking, in my own life, that you tap into this power in a way that you would never expect. And here's how I think you do it. I think you get into this power by embracing your weakness. If the truth were known, we all need this power in our life, but so many of us on the outside, we like to put up a facade that says, I don't need Christ's strength, I don't need Christ's power. But in the midst of our daily struggles, some of us have virtually lost all hope. We've lost even the faith to believe that there is a possibility that God's power can actually change our lives. Too often we try to look good on the outside, but we don't have God's power on the inside. The powerhouse is empty. I told you before, a few years ago, there was a float at the Rose Parade uh, in the Tournament of Roses, beautiful float, suddenly sputtered and quit. It was out of gas. And so they had to stop the whole parade, go get a can of gas. They ran out of gas. The, the ironic thing was this float was sponsored by the Standard Oil Company. With all of its resources, it couldn't have any power. It looked good on the outside, but there's no power on the insides. And friends, I believe one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to try to look good on the outside when we know full and well there is no power on the inside. Some of you today are in marriages right now that if you're honest, you are struggling just to keep it together day to day. Some of you deal with deep financial concerns. You don't know how to get out from underneath it. Some of you deal with times of discouragement or depression. Some of you may be facing an addiction, but you haven't been willing to be open about it. Friends, one of the worst mistakes you can make is to try to look good on the outside, but on the inside, not have Christ's power in your life. The Bible is full of individuals who experienced God's power in their lives, and they didn't try to look good on the outside. Then the Apostle Paul was one of them. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, To keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing great revelations that God gave me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, how many of you want that? No, thank you. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So he wants you to embrace this weakness. Be real about it. If you want to experience Christ's power in your life, you've got to be transparent. Don't practice image management. Don't act like you've read some book when you haven't read it. Don't act like you pray an hour a day when you struggle to pray five minutes. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Sometimes that can be incredibly hard to let people see your weakness. Uh, Last week, I went to a funeral uh, for Dan Rodriguez's grandfather. I wasn't doing the funeral. I was just there to visit. I got there early. I visited with the family. I talked to Dan a little bit. I had some extra time, so I got out onto the sidewalk uh, in front of the funeral home, and I'm sitting there. It's in the nice heat of the day. I'm having a cup of coffee, and I'm just enjoying some quiet time. When I look down and I notice on the ground in front of me, on the road, on the, the, the parking lot in front of me, is someone's heel off of their shoe. And I look down and I notice, I said, that's a really strange thing. I don't think I've ever seen the heel off of someone's shoe, uh, like, just come off. And then I look down and I notice, that's my heel. It was my heel off of my shoe. And I, and I tried to put it back on and it was not going to go. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I, I only got like 10 minutes before this funeral. I don't have time to go get another pair of shoes, okay? It won't go on there. I'm going to be walking in with one shoe working and the other one, you know, on my toe. And uh, I'm going to look really strange. Now, what am I going to do? And so I decided to embrace my weakness. I went in to the, uh, the ladies at the front desk, and I was like, ladies, um, listen, <laughs> um, I have one of the most kind of weird requests that you have ever heard in your life. Pause for dramatic effect. And then I was like, I brought out my heel, and I was like, the heel on my shoe just came off, and I don't know what to do. And they were like, oh, honey, we've all had wardrobe malfunctions before. And they went off, and now they're trying to solve my problem. And in the middle of my weakness, duct tape became my strength. Anybody know what I'm saying? And I duct taped the heel of my shoe on. And uh, although in the middle of the funeral, it popped off again. It wasn't going to get taped back on. So I literally, like, you know, I was like, uh, I was like Bigfoot or whatever. I don't know, walking out of there, you know. Or uh, Quasimodo, that's what I meant to say. But anyway, um, but in our weakness, we're strong. And friends, I think the best thing we can do in the moment of weakness is just admit our weakness, embrace our weakness. Who do you have in your life today that you are willing to share in your soul with? Who do you have in your life today that you're willing to say, here's something I'm challenged with, here's something I'm struggling with, There is not a person in here who doesn't need Christ's strength. There's not a person in here who isn't having times of hardship. There is not a person in here that hasn't had difficulties. And it is imperative, if you want to experience Christ's power and strength in your life, that you embrace your weakness. The other thing I've learned is you have to wait on God. When Jesus departed this earth, he gave some final instructions to his disciples. He said in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my Father has promised, for you have heard me speak about him. He was talking about the Holy Spirit, but he said, Wait, don't preach. Don't start churches. Don't write books of the Bible. Don't do anything else until first you have waited on God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, one of the most popular verses, Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. 
You know, my tendency is, and I think most of our tendency is, to rush around on our own power, to move before God tells us to move, to become impatient, to do what we think will bring the best results before we ever listen to what God has in store for us. I can be impatient at times. In fact, I've, I've worked through some things to help me through that. When I get to stoplights, I count down when I'm at a red light. I don't know why I do this. Talk to my kids. They'll tell you. Every red light I'm ever at, I count down. It's like I like to guess it. And, and so this morning on the way to church, we get stopped at a red light. And I'm, I put my hands on my eyes so they know I'm not cheating. You know, I didn't look at the yellow light. I'm not cheating. Seven, six, five. Bam, I hit it right on the number. I don't know what it is. It's therapeutic for me. And, uh, and if I don't get it, I start like, I just slow it down or something. I'm just trying to get right on that zero. And, and it helps me. But I've learned, you know, that I can be impatient at times. And what I've learned also is there's no worse place to be than when you're in a situation where you are pushing ahead of God, where you are moving forward without Him, where you have rushed ahead of Him. You didn't wait on His power. You made a decision without seeking wise counsel. You changed careers without praying and fasting. You get involved in a relationship you know is not God's best for you, but you're impatient. You purchase a new home because of its prestige, not because God guided you. You accept a promotion for the money, not because God moved you. Friends, hear this. Not every opportunity is an open door from God hear that. If you want to experience God's power, you have to embrace your weakness, and you also have to wait for God's power, and then obey. Walk forward and obey, no matter what. Think about Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 3, Joshua was finally given clearance to actually lead the children of Israel into the promised land after they had been wandering for an entire generation in the deserts of the Sinai Peninsula, and God finally instructs them, move forward, go to Canaan land, go to the promised land. But there's only one problem. There's a river that encircles it that you're not going to be able to get over except through God's strength. And the border of Canaan is marked by the Jordan River, which just happens to be at flood stage. There's no bridge. There's no boat. There's no ferry. God says to Joshua, form a line and tell everybody to get in a line. Put the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of the Levites and then have the Levites walk right toward that swirling dark water of the Jordan River and then have them step right into the water. Now imagine that. Joshua's like, that's your plan? In fact, Joshua chapter, one, chapter 3, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest carried the ark, reached the Jordan, then their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing, so the people crossed over. But it wasn't until the priest took a step in the water before it actually stopped upstream. In other words, and if they had never taken the step of obedience, the water never would have stopped, and they would not have gone into that promised land. You need to look and say, God, where, in what area do I need to obey you and take a step of faith in my life? And think about later when Joshua does enter the promised land and now they have to attack Jericho and this, this huge city that has these, this impenetrable force, this wall around it. What are they going to do? God gives Joshua a message. Walk around the city every day for seven days, one time a day. And do this each day. And on the seventh day, do it and have the priests blow their horns. And then give everybody, have them all give a loud shout. And the walls are going to completely collapse. Can you imagine being the military leader and telling your force that? Hey, guys, listen. We're going to have some torches. I mean, we're going to have some torches. We're going to scream really loud. And we're going to blow some horns. And we're going to walk around this thing one time a day for seven days. On the seventh day, it's going to come crashing down. Just 
trust God. And they go, okay. They did it. And guess what happened? The walls came crushing, crushing down. Why? Because they were obedient to God. Very similarly, the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. Gideon begins with an army of 32,000 fighting men, and God has Gideon whittle his men down. They're going to fight the very vast Midianite army. But God says, Gideon, you got too many guys. If you have that many in battle, they're going to think you did it. So he whittles it down from 32,000 to 300. I mean, just a little bit more than what are going to be at Axis Church today. Like 300 people. And then he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Guys, I'm going to give you a strategy. You're going to take some uh, jars, you're going to take some torches, and you're going to scream a lot, okay? Now, if I was 300 men facing 10,000 Midianites, I'd be screaming a lot too. Anybody know what I'm saying? And, and, but they just start screaming. And what happens? Suddenly the Midianites freak out. They turn on each other. They start to battle each other. And God does a great work. And it proves that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Or how about sweet Mary? When an angel of the Lord appeared to her, Mary, God has chosen you to be the mother of the Messiah. Wow. I've always wanted to be a mom. When will that happen? Uh, Mary, it already has. Impossible. I've kept myself pure. What are you talking about? Mary, listen, you're pregnant. Can you only imagine telling your parents that? Mom and dad, you're not going to believe this. Or how about your fiancé? Honestly, Joe, you're, I know, it's a challenge, but God gave me this baby. If you want to experience God's power in your life, then you have to obey, like Joshua, like Gideon, like Mary, no matter what. And sometimes that takes us to places that you would never imagine. But friends, if you want to experience God's power in your your, your life, you have to take that step of faith. You have to wait on God's power. Say, God, I I do want that power in my life. God, allow me that right time, that right moment. Don't Don't let me force it. God, help me to embrace my weakness and be honest about those things I struggle with. And then, God, when it's time to step forward, help me to have the courage and the strength to make that step of faith. Now, why weakness? Why waiting? Why obedience? Paul tells us why. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I, I included part of that up here. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. This treasure, what? The treasure of God's strength, the treasure of God's gospel in our lives, in jars of clay, meaning us, we're imperfect, we're broken, to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. We are hard-pressed. We are not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not abandoned. And why would we go through this? So that it's proven that this all-surpassing power, this is is given to us in jars of clay like us to demonstrate that that power is from God and not from ourselves. It is His power, not our power. So that when you go through hard times and you could say to others, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, what you're saying is, not I can do everything I want to do, not I can be a millionaire if I play the lottery. You're saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can handle anything through Christ's power and His strength in my life, 
in the midst of the good and the bad times. Listen, friends, God unleashes his power, and Jacob, the deceiver, becomes Israel, the overcomer. God unleashes his power, and Moses, the stutterer, becomes the sea splitter. God unleashes his power, and Abraham, the childless, becomes Abram, the childless, becomes Abraham, the father of nations. God unleashes his power, and David, the shepherd, becomes David, the giant slayer. God unleashes his power, and Saul, the persecutor, becomes Paul, the proclaimer. God unleashes his power, and Simon, the denier, becomes Peter. Peter, the rock, God unleashes his power, and Jesus Christ, the crucified, becomes Jesus, the defeater of death. Friends, God is powerful. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Friends, his power is available to all of us. And can you imagine God's power unleashed in your life? Can you imagine God's power being unleashed in your life to carry the good news of Christ into into the Muslim community and bringing peace to a war-torn world? Can you imagine having God's power in your life to be able to lead your neighbor or or your spouse to become a follower of Christ? Can you imagine God unleashing His power in your life to lead your business and become a kingdom expansion company? Can you imagine God's power being unleashed in your life to minister to hundreds of patients dying of AIDS? Can you imagine God's power being unleashed in your life to open a whole chain of soup soup kitchens to feed people who have needs in His name? Can you imagine God's power being unleashed in your life? What is God calling you to today? Where you need to say, God, where do I need to embrace my weakness? God, where do I need to walk forward in faith. God, where do I need to wait and be patient? Now unto him, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his great power that is at work within us, as we embrace our weakness, as we wait to receive his power, as we obey no matter what, to him be glory in the church. I got a message this week from one of our family members. Uh, you remember that our cousin, Grace, also had been fighting cancer. Just about the same time that she received that word, our other cousin, uh, Jacob, his wife, Abby, received word. She was eight, uh, seven months pregnant that she had Hodgkin's disease, cancer. Uh, this is a few months ago. She was able to have her baby. They celebrated that. But she just wrote this uh, last message lately, and she said, My last scan showed new bright areas of concern. But when I went in for another scan, all the new bright spots had disappeared. Praise God. That was a huge weight off our shoulders. My doctor told me this past Thursday that I will finish out this last cycle of chemo and be done with chemo. She sounded really hopeful that I will not have to go through radiation, but a scan in a few weeks will tell us that. She even said we could start talking about a vacation I'll be closely monitored for about five years. So this journey isn't completely over, but it's looking like uh, the treatment part is. That makes my heart burst with thankfulness. You guys, there have been so many days when I felt like I'd never hear this news as painful treatment side effects and scans with bad news attached happened. There has been a lot of difficulty, uncertainty, and tears, but we are seeing the light and His goodness. Over a month ago, our friends from our Father's Project, a life-changing inner center youth ministry, prayed for us 
And they started praying that my treatment would be shortened. Honestly, my faith about that was so weak. And when they started praying for that specifically because of the things my doctor had told me. But it is a powerful thing when we're brothers and sisters in Christ have huge faith that God is able. And when we were, they were praying, I felt like they were holding my arms up for me in faith that God can do what looks like impossible. That's the best way I can explain it. God has truly answered that big prayer. We can't stop thanking him for his incredible and unexpected gift. And I can't wait to experience what it's like to be a mom with no cancer. And in the middle of her weakness, she became strong. In the middle of her hardship, she took on the power of Christ. She embraced that weakness. She waited on God. She obeyed faithfully. And God is doing tremendous things in her life. And here's the message today. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. In the midst of the best times, the worst of times, the good times, the bad times, God gives you strength that only He can give. He provides it because He loves you. God wants the very best for you. And it's time you start believing that. God, we pray today and we understand and believe that your power is available. And God, I know that there are people in this room today that as I talk and as I pray today, that they are, they are struggling. God, there's a challenge in their life right now. There's an issue. Maybe they haven't been open about it. Maybe they have. But God, I'm just praying. God, what area in our life needs to be revealed to someone else? What area of our life, God, can you pinpoint in us today as we pray? Some area in our life that we need to, to, to have revealed, some, something demonstrated in us, something to show us that there's an area of weakness here. There's a pride issue, and we've been unwilling to let that go, and because of that, we haven't been able to be open with other people. And so God, reveal that to us today. What is that thing? And maybe there's some addictive behavior or some attitude that we have or some belief about ourselves or about somebody else that we've held on to that, God, would you reveal that to us today as we pray so that we would be able to embrace those areas of weakness. For when we are weak, then we're strong. God, we pray for patience, God. We pray for the power of waiting. We pray for those who are moving ahead of, of you. We pray for those right now who are making decisions in their life. They haven't counseled with you. They haven't counseled with other Christian brothers and sisters. They're just making decisions. They haven't really taken time to step back and wait. Wait patiently. Wait on that. What is it, God? Would you reveal it to us? God, what area in our life do we need to take that step of faith? Do we actually need to obey, God? Would you just reveal that to us today? What is the thing that we need to take a step of faith to obey? We've now waited. Now we're ready to move forward, God. What is that thing in our life where we need to actually take that step? We need to pay off something. We need to make some business decision. We need to do something. God, there may be somebody here today who says, I need to make a decision to make Christ the Lord of my life. And I've waited. And it's time now to take a step of faith and to say, I want Christ to be my Lord. I want to be baptized. I want to walk forward in faith. God, what is it today? Would you reveal it to us? And God, we pray that as we seek you today, 
that you would help us to embrace that weakness. Help us to wait patiently and then help us to take steps of faith even when we don't see the answer ahead. God, we love you. And we thank you for giving us strength in the midst of our hardest days. God, thank you for the promise that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We need your power, God. We pray this together in the strong, the mighty, the powerful, the delivering name of Jesus Christ. We ask it in your name.